Hey, Sales Enablement Podcast listeners. This is Alistair Wilcock, co-host of the RevOps Podcast. We have another special episode for you coming right up. So if you like what you hear, come and subscribe and join us at the RevOps Podcast. Welcome, everybody, to the RevOps Podcast. I'm Alistair Wilcock, CSRO here at Revenue.io, joined by Howard Brown, founder and CEO and thinker of all things revenue science. And then, of course, we have our special guest with us today, Mallory Lee. Mallory is Vice President of Revenue Operations at Nihilus with a tremendous background with Salesforce, Terminus. Mallory, we are very excited to have you with us here today. How are you doing? Good. Thank you for having me. Yo, it's uh, it's great to connect with somebody like yourself. And I think for many of our listeners, you know, we, we get caught up in all of the data and all the insights with RevOps and sales and what's going on. But a lot of people are actually still breaking into this space. They're just beginning to look at this career, the evolution of what RevOps is. And you've had you know, a tremendous journey so far. Like, as I said, you, you've come out of the Salesforce consulting world. You understand the MarTech stacks extremely well. You've been strong with Terminus all the way and now over, over at Nihilus. You know, what's your take on the state of RevOps, how to get into it, where to start? Like, What, what are you thinking on that side these days from, from your perspective, Ballard? Yeah, great question. I think I came into it from a slightly different angle than most in that my background has been in marketing. So I think there's a lot of debate right now about whether or not revenue operations is just a different name for sales operations. And in the companies where you just take sales ops and rename it to revenue ops, I don't think that anyone's really doing it correctly. You know, I joked with some friends on LinkedIn about having a little game show, which is, are you rev ops or are you not? And you have to come and make your case and say, here's how I do rev ops. Am I really doing it? And then someone will tell you yes or no. (laughs) But there are a lot of different approaches. And I think if RevOps is just a sales help desk and just reporting up to sales and simply focused on that, it's not enough. And so for us, you know, we've got a centralized revenue operations function at Nihilus, and that's what I have joined the company to lead. I feel super grateful. I actually report directly to our CEO. And that's because for us, this is a central function that is, you know, really serving all departments of the company, remaining objective at the center of it all, and being a force multiplier and like connecting all of the departments. So for me, it's really important to be centralized in that way. We're supporting marketing, sales, customer success, and even product operations so that we can try to optimize that entire journey. You know, with a a smaller company, I think that is pretty manageable. And we had the same setup at Terminus where we were centralized. But I think in bigger businesses, it's a little bit harder to take big disparate teams and put them together and move them around. So people are slower to centralize in that environment. I'm curious about the challenges given that you do come from a marketing background and then you're working with sales teams and they're maybe used to having sales operations folks. Obviously, you've been able to overcome those sort of biases. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because there are certainly other marketing operations folks that have made the leap into RevOps and have been incredibly successful, but I'm sure it's not without challenges. I'd love to hear some of the ones you've faced and 
how you've overcome them? Yeah, that's a great question. I think the challenges come in just learning a lot while you are doing a lot at the same time. So there's not like a book that you can go and read for a month and then start your role working with sales, right? You have to just hit the ground running and kind of learn as you go. I recall at Terminus, there was a point where I had stepped into the RevOps role and I was beginning to get these deal approval requests. And I didn't know what I didn't know. So I worked really closely with my finance partners and just kind of started to learn the rules of the road. And I remember a moment where I thought, am I really the person who is making this decision? Because it was not my expertise, but I got used to that. And, you know, being a marketer, especially being in marketing operations, I always had a really tight focus on sales and marketing alignment. So that was always very important to me. And revenue operations is the same thing, but it's just kind of like times five because it's not just sales and marketing that need to be aligned. It's every department with sales and every department with marketing. So I think it lends itself nicely to being able to get outside of just the sales stats. And you kind of need to get more creative with making sure that you've connected everything end to end. But I think, you know, very tactical things like territories and comp plans and deal approvals and discounting thresholds and some of that stuff, I definitely needed to learn on the job. It reminds me of a debate in RevOps we used to have inside Gartner a lot. Because you are right, the classical thing is kind of sales ops 2.0, right? And oh, and it reports into the new, whoever's head of sales, essentially. Hence why we put in revenue officers that are just supposed to traverse all of these things or you report to CEOs and things like that. But marketing is a fascinating background because most marketers are actually some of the richest people in terms of understanding the automation, understanding the data-driven insights they provide. They understand how to drive action and causality off of that. And that isn't actually a thing that's common among sales leaders. Okay. Sales leaders know how to have this conversation, but they don't know how to put the structural elements of it together. And so the debate always was, well, if it's just MarTech stacks connected into sales, then you know what's marketing's role in this? I guess marketing is just this front of the funnel thing that will now connect up to Salesforce and life will be grander and better, won't it? <laughs> now, and I'm being a bit tried and flippant, but yeah. that really is often the argument. Whereas I'd say, no, marketing is actually one of the most advanced functions here that really can leapfrog a RevOps org even more than a sales team can. <laughs> but what's been your experience in all of that? I think you're exactly right about that because as marketers for so long, we've been using these marketing automation tools and you know, I'd say that's been at least 15 years, right? So why do people love marketing automation platform? Sure, you can nurture leads and that's the the value prop, but the reality of it is that it's like our little window into working around things and making things happen in Salesforce and automating changes and cleaning up data. That's like the secret power of the marketing automation platform that people don't really sell, but it's what you need to get things done. And like you're saying, I think marketers have gotten used to being scrappy in that way. It's like, okay, it's going to take, you know, X number of months for my product team to change these two things to give me the data that looks a little bit different. But if I spend a couple of days in Marketo cranking out an automation, I think I can make it happen myself. Yeah. And so we got very used to doing that. And I think there's some creativity involved. 
you know, the good marketing operations teams, I think, are collaborating very closely with their partners anyway. And so it's just a matter of expanding that to the entire customer lifecycle and really adopting kind of the art of it across the whole thing. I, I loved your explanation of marketing and how marketing automation tools really are the backbone of a lot of the data and the processes. I started online marketing in 97, 98. And, and if you look at my background, I've held a bunch of marketing titles as well as founder and CEO. One of my big discoveries back in the early days when I had sold my first company to a healthcare company, I sat around a board table with a four-star general named Barry McCaffrey, a head of an insurance company and a variety of other folks who just thought that marketing was website colors and traffic and that sort of thing. And I remember talking to them like it was yesterday. This was mid-2000, 2004, 2005, and the idea of evidence-based medicine was sort of taking off. And I needed to frame the discussion around evidence-based as why we were going to spend a lot of money bringing in sales for CRM. And so I created the idea of evidence-based marketing where it was all about the data that would then allow us to make better decisions. And I think that's what marketers truly have is they focus on the data and use the data to optimize performance. And really, if you think about where RevOps is and where it needs to go. It's really about utilizing the data, it's centralizing the data to perform better, right? So <laughs> for me, the experience of building marketing engines, of focusing on the data that then influences the right decisions, the constant testing and measuring, the reporting, the utilizing that to then provide that great experience for our customers is a natural evolution. And so I'm excited to see more marketers make the leap into RevOps, into the revenue organization, because it really requires that data approach. And so I'm, I'm excited that that's clearly where you're focused. Yeah, I agree for sure. Mallory, I, uh, picking back up what Howard's saying there, I recently was fortunate to catch up with a, a specialist in the marketing RevOps space and uh, for one of the advisory firms and yeah they're sharing with me well what are the what i'm like what are the inhibitors that you're seeing right now like what's stopping somebody like a mallory being successful in this in this new world of ramps mm -hmm. it's fascinating when you look at it because right at 50 percent is uh, of people that respond and ask that question in organizations is process and i don't think that's a particularly big Inside, I think most would say, yes, our processes are too rigid. They're not functional enough. And number two of 47% is the executive management, non-marketing professionals, Whoa. right? So you actually have execs who don't understand this stuff that are actually impeding the results. Yeah, they're, they're investing, right? They're actually investing and in hiring people, but they can't get out of their own way to allow people to actually be successful in this way. That's 47%, right? That's a huge number. I, I guess I'm just curious, like, would, have you seen that? And if you have, like, how, how are you navigating that, right? How are you, how are you helping them move past that, that, that view? Yeah. Well, in a world where you have limited resources, there is an element of trying to decide 
do we invest our money in more sales or in more marketing or is it an even split? How do we make these decisions? And if you have what you might call a, like a, an old school RevOps team that lives in sales, it's not easy to get an unbiased answer on where to put that dollar. And, you know, the way that I see my job is to really help my executive partners, like, see around the corner and see into the future and understand where they are about to bump into each other or about to hit a roadblock. And that's the part that I love is really having to deeply understand all of the departments and everything that they are prioritizing and working on. But that said, if you are biased in one direction or the other, you're not helping to tell an unbiased story. Right. So for myself, I want to help the marketing team find the things that are working and tell a story about that and think through how to invest more in those things. And if you have, you know, perhaps a leader or an executive team that doesn't really understand the value of marketing, it really is up to those operational professionals to help tell the story. And the marketers need to be able to tell it too. They have to be data-driven. But having that third-party voice to back you up and say, yes, this is the best marketing dollar we can spend. This is the best sales dollar we can spend. Here's where we're struggling, so we need to spend money over here to overcome it. You know, trying to see the big picture, I think people respond really well to that. And so once again, I'm coming back to this concept of having like a centralized team that doesn't have skin in the game in one department or the other necessarily. I think that you can become a better partner to everybody and have a very objective view to help with the entire life cycle. Have you seen any specific things here, certain examples? I'm just trying to get like a tactical example for everybody here of uh, your items within marketing and then the world of revolve. So you say, look, if, if you were to try to prove impact right now, because people really are looking at that, right? They're like, what's the unit economics? Am I getting the right return rate? You know, are there two or three things we'd say, look, if, if I really got to put a focus on a certain thing, it's going to be this particular tactical item and, and the thing jump out. Yeah, that's a good question. And I'm definitely looking at this right now at Nihilus because I'm new to the organization, fresh set of eyes, lots of low-hanging fruit, as they say, right? We haven't had a RevOps leader at Nihilus before, so it is a newer space for our team to grow into. And when we were talking about everything right up front, even during my interview, they were asking, you know, how do you tackle such a big problem? And my answer was, you need to start closest to the revenue. So if you imagine kind of a bullseye, the revenue being at the center, you've got your negotiations, right? Your legal process, your paperwork process. Then you go out, you've got your proposal process, your demonstration of value, your evaluation. All the way out here is like marketing and top of the funnel. We're cool. And so for myself, I really want to optimize close to the revenue first. That way I know that the dollars I am putting in, I can have some predictability in what's going to come out through sales. Bruh. But if you spend a bunch of time fixing marketing and fixing the top of the funnel, and then you send those opportunities to a sales team that isn't working, you might be fixing the top, but you're neglecting the bottom part completely. And so in a world of limited resources, when I'm trying to prioritize, I want to like fix the thing that's closest to the revenue first and then work my way out. And there are going to be some things that are low hanging fruit along the way that you can help with in marketing to get everybody going. But I think you have to prioritize it that way for efficiency. I love that. 
focus on closest to the revenue and then work your way out. Because absolutely, the things that you can do in the shortest period of time to impact revenue in the business is obviously going to make your job and the lives of those around you much better and easier. So, you know, everybody wants, you know, time to value, thinking about time to value, how quickly can we do it? And so that focus on the closest part to the revenue. So where, where is that focus for you right now? So you're four weeks into the job, three, four weeks. What, what are you trying to overcome? What are you working on? Yeah, it's fascinating at Nihilus because it's new to me. So my entire career has been in marketing technology. This is the first time that I'm working with kind of an API developer platform. So totally different target audience and different ways to buy. You know, we've got a much more product centric cycle, if you will. So having a free trial is a big part of our process. And when I've started looking, you know, under the covers at some of the sales stuff, We've got a very tight sales process. We do a very good job at moving people from stage to stage the way that we want to. And the place where we have less visibility is really understanding how that trial is impacting their experience and having tight instrumentation of how the trial's going. And, you know, the trial can happen at the very beginning before you've ever talked to a human, or it can happen toward the end of your sales cycle. So I'm trying to incorporate ways to figure out where should the trial happen? What should that look like? We don't have all the right data today. We don't have all the right visibility into how the trial is working. So that's something that I'm working closely with our team to keep on building out. And I think it's going to really enhance the process. But like we talked about, the first thing I did was I looked at the sales stages. And I mean, it, the numbers are better than what I've seen at a lot of places. Like 92% of our opportunities that go to contracts become closed one. Mm-hmm. And you don't always see that with MarTech. And um, so I'm, I'm thankful for that part. We've understood that. We just have to figure out the best possible way to make our product part of the buying experience and keeping it centered on the user so that they can decide when do they want to talk to a human and how. Yeah, I think that's a challenge for a lot of the API and developer tools out there. It's, it's a low barrier to entry to try them, but then when do you engage? It used to be a paywall, right? Yeah. Now, when do you engage and bring that value and answer questions and move them from a proof of concept to an actual customer? So what kind of tools do you think about in terms of trying to get the data? How do you see extracting that data? Yeah, it's early days for us um, in, in some ways, right? So we do have all of our free trial users flowing into Salesforce through Marketo. So we have this ability into who they are, but we just need more of those event milestones and some ways to understand how it's going for them if they're potentially getting stuck. We're also investigating a way to do some better scoring. Mm-hmm. So we want to evaluate the differences between MQLs who are maybe coming to us on the website, haven't interacted with the product yet, comparing that to a product qualified lead, what do they need to do to be successful? But keeping the product market fit in mind, right? Like our ICP and trying to understand if we think that somebody is a good fit is really important too. So we've started looking at a tool for that. Madkudu, you guys are probably familiar with them. Uh, we're talking with their team right now to see if that's a, a good potential path forward for us. There is so much in the world of the data usage as well when we think about it, right? There is the futures, like we're just talking the tactical tools that are there that now help in terms of web mobile analytics, you think product analytics, you think in terms of 
digital experiences, then we have digital adoption and onboarding, we have digital experimentation. Underneath that's the whole RevOps stack and Salesforce stacks and ecosystems. You know, this where I'd say this the future of experience-based analytics, experience-based engagement. That's where this is headed. And you know, you look at it with two-thirds of leaders in RevOps now are looking going, hey, I, I know I need to put in some machine learning. I know I need more advanced insight to what I'm doing because there's a ton of this stuff. Yeah. There's a lot of data. Like to our point, right? You're you're just getting going on this evolution and you just rattled off a few tools right there. Like we've instantly just exponential impact to the tech stack. And most MarTech stacks have 15-ish tools of them on average, right? There's a lot there. Sales is investing. Like there's, there's a ton of tooling going on, which is great. But I love, Mallory, your vision around focusing that bullseye down to the customer and leaning in with that touch point first and then building the layers out, this concentric circles with marketing all encompassing that as well. Final word, Mallory, if you're going to give a tip to somebody in terms of, hey, look, go start and, and assess this tomorrow in the grand world of RevOps, what's, what's your singular aha tip you're going to give them? Singular aha tip for RevOps practitioners, I think, is to make sure you think that you're placed in the organization properly and make sure you have your voice in the right meetings. Make sure that your team is invited to the right meetings. You don't want to be a help desk, right? You want to be a strategic partner. And if that's not the way your organization is built today, I would encourage people to think about how they can evolve in that direction because... Sometimes all it takes is asking, and there can be some good evolution from there. I love it. Well, on that, thank you so much for joining us here today. This has been an absolute pleasure. And for all of our listeners, I'm definitely writing down, don't let your RevOps team be the help desk. <laughs> I think that is powerful closing message. Love it. Great piece of insight there. Looking forward to chatting with you again. We'll learn a little bit more about Nihilus, what else you're up to over there. And, and dive in even deeper on maybe some of where we see this market going next. So thanks so much, Mallory. For everybody listening in, please remember to like and subscribe. And don't forget to phone in with your questions. We are live now and uh, done a couple episodes of live audience questions as well. You can reach us at 323-540-4777. That's 323-540-4777. And we will see you on next week's podcast. Thank you.